Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to IFHPodcastNetwork.com. What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I see dead people. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Filmmaking Conversations with Damien Swayde is part of the critical conversations currently taking place across the film community. The podcast reaches out to the next generation of filmmakers who continue to look for inspiration and guidance. Remember to hit the subscribe button and leave a comment in the comments section. Share the podcast with friends and family, and have a great day. And now, over to the host of the show, Damien Swaby. Hi, Madison. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, Damien. This is such an honor. Oh, thank you for coming on. I, I really, really appreciate it. After watching your work, I thought, wow, this is someone I want to speak to. That's for sure. Um, and we'll certainly get onto your brilliant film soon. But before we do, tell us, how did you get in the industry and, and what made you want to become an actress, writer and director? You know, growing up, um, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and I went to uh, a great public school down here, but we didn't have a stage. And so one of the math teachers was sort of a, a de facto drama teacher, um, even though we didn't have any drama classes. So we did a few plays and, you know, but it was the kind of thing where we would rehearse and learn our lines and have it all together, but we didn't actually know if we'd get to perform it anywhere, right? We sort of were beholden to the kindness of strangers letting us use a cafetorium or a random stage at a restaurant or whatever it might be. And, you know, I think that because that was the situation at my school at the time. I didn't really understand that acting um, was a was a career that one could choose and build a life on. I obviously saw movies and I and I and I knew that there were celebrities who did it, but the idea of just being a working creative um, was just difficult for me to see. And so I went to school <laughs> for biology and education. I was a high school science teacher. I loved it. It was so fun and. Um, when I when I moved back to Atlanta after college, I started doing like improv and sketch classes to make 
friends as an adult because making friends as an adult is really hard. Uh, so I was like, well, let's try this. And it just, um, it reminded me how much I love performing, how much I've loved making people laugh. And then I started getting into sketch writing and that moved into more screenwriting. And I started realizing how much I loved that part of the process. And, um, basically, you know, something happened at my job where my, um, my husband was sort of offered this promotion, but because we worked in the same school, it was kind of like, he either gets promoted or you get to stay. <laughs> and, okay. uh, we, <laughs> you know, uh, normal nepotism marriage stuff. And, uh, I was like, I think you should take the promotion because I've got something else that I want to do. And he told me at the time, he was like, I was going to give you one more year. And then I was going to really start asking you when you were going to leave teaching and start doing this other work, because it, it was something that I would regret if I didn't try. And he knew that, uh, and he probably figured it out before I did. So from there, I started getting into acting classes and um, I was still performing improv and sketch on stage a lot. And I met my creative partner. He and I played husband and wife in an independent film that we were both cast in. And three days after meeting each other, we started writing together. And wow. that, yeah, that script became our first feature, which is called Pageant Material. Um, and it's about a, a young gay teen in the deep South, who's trying to get to Atlanta for a drag pageant. Um, and it was very much inspired by the childhood that my creative partner, John o. Mitchell had growing up uh, in the deep South as an openly gay teen. And uh, it premiered at the Atlanta Film Festival in 2019, um, two sold out screenings. And it was just really this incredible um, moment in, in my life and in Jono's life and, and sort of this affirming incident where, you know, you just sort of realize, okay, I can do this and this is what I'm meant to do. Um, and then soon after that premiere, we had our governor here in Georgia sign a um, de facto abortion ban, a heartbeat bill, similar to uh, what's happening in Texas without some of the weird bounty hunter aspects. And uh, that's what inspired us to start writing Jenny Gets an Abortion, which ended up being our second film together, um, which was a short. And yeah, from there, we've uh, we filmed two features back to back in February and March uh, of this past year. We just came off a wild like couple months where we filmed three short films. Um, and yeah, it's just been it's just been an absolute blast to work with him and learn from him. And uh, I think that we we complement each other really, really well. And I think that that the love that we have for each other and the respect that we have for each other, I think, really comes through in the work that we do. Um, yeah, that was a really long answer, Damien. And it, it was a brilliant one. It could if it lasted <laughs> for 60 minutes. Hey, it, it, it's about how good the answer is rather than the, you know, the length of time. But okay. one of the things I'll, I'll pick up on, because yeah. a lot of people that come on this podcast, especially uh, actor, writer, directors, they always say, I didn't think I could have had a career as a creative. I didn't see a pathway. I didn't think it was possible. So why do you, and sorry, why did you think it wasn't possible? I guess, you know, growing up, I thought it was impossible because I I didn't see it. I didn't I didn't know any grown-ups like in my actual life who who oh went down that path. You know, I I I guess it's I think that we're unfortunately told um in school and and by, you know, some very well-meaning adults in our lives that 
being a creative is a very difficult life. It's a very unpredictable life. It's at times very unstable. And I think that adults feel compelled to <laughs> steer us away from that, or at least, at least many adults that I knew growing up, um, growing up, they, they were very supportive of me as a weird kid and me as a performing kid and, and me as someone who wanted to do this as a, as a, a hobby. Right. But I think, you know, I think for my parents, I think it really scared them. The idea that I was going to not have a steady paycheck and not <laughs> have a, a retirement fund from my job, you know, like it's, mm. it's, I think that there's a, a bit of um, fear uh, associated with encouraging someone that you love to go into a a field that is full of rejection and full of uncertainty. And I think that the the people who didn't necessarily discourage me, but who I could tell were really reluctant to embrace the path that I wanted to go on, I think it all comes from a place of deep love and care. They want they want me to have a, a life that is stable. (laughs) Um, but I want a life that is full and that Mm -hmm. involves me being creative and, and doing everything I can to make that how I, how I fill my life and make my living. Um, and of course I understand I have to have money and I have to, you know, make whatever sacrifices necessary and take whatever jobs necessary to, um, you know, keep a roof over my head and, and keep food on my table. But if I was not pursuing this work, if I had chosen stability over um, my need to create, I, I I know I wouldn't be as happy. Um, and and so I think it's it's it takes sometimes a little bit of um, convincing. You just have to sit with people who are worried about you and, and explain where you're coming from. Um, and if they're not necessarily creative people, if they've never had that drive inside of them. Uh, to the point that they want to make it their life, it's probably difficult for them to understand. And I, I can, you know, I can empathize with that. So I think that that's, I think that I didn't see it. And I was sort of told, no, if you, if you think you want to be a teacher, just do that. Like teaching is such a stable, (laughs) very linear profession. The longer you do it, the more you make, and then you get to 30 years and you can retire and like, that's it. It's so, so I left literally the simplest, safest job to do the wildest, most unpredictable thing possible. And you know what? My mom was concerned and I don't blame her, but she's on board now. That's good. That's good. She got there in the end. That's the main thing. Of course. Yes. And you started writing with your husband three days after meeting him. My yes, my on-screen husband Jono has a, a lovely husband of his own. Oh, um, sorry, my as, bad. <laughs> my as bad. do I. Um, no, yeah, we we were cast as husband and wife, um, which is such a fun origin story for the two of us. Um, and yeah, we we were in um, a town called Gaffney, South Carolina. And if folks are familiar with House of Cards, that's the town mm. where. Um, the main character from the first few seasons was from there's a big peach uh and it was a ton of fun it felt like being at summer camp we were all like staying in a house together and you know i think being in that small town was reminding him of growing up and and he had this idea kind of rattling around in his guts for a while and i i really loved writing pageant material with him and and it taught me something about myself which is that i really love 
stepping into someone else's dream and helping making it real for them. Um, I don't need to be the person who comes up with the idea for the script. I don't need to be the person who's heart is just bleeding all over the page. I'm right. really happy and and satisfied when I'm able to yeah, hear what someone is trying to do and then put all of me, all that I have into it um to make something that is going to sing for them. And I I really really loved um writing with him and and then He's the kind of person who he'd been working in production for a while. He worked at Adult Swim, which is based here in Atlanta. And, you know, he had a lot, he had done a lot of filming on his own. And so he had the crew connections and he, you know, knew how to produce. And I sort of got to watch him take this script that we wrote and, and turn it into a feature film. And for me, that that was my first experience really seeing that process. Um, and I learned so much. And he's just a really, um, he's really efficient, like a, a sort of a genius <laughs> in, in that respect. And it's, it's just a, it's a, an honor really to, to watch him work and learn from him. Um, and I think that he and I complement each other, um, especially in terms of writing. I think he really enjoys the planning stage, the idea generation, outlining, sort of figuring out the big shape of it. And then I really love the nitty gritty of getting into it. And and as, as I like to say, pooping out a draft. I like to draft <laughs> really fast. I like to go. Um, I try to like type at the speed of thought if I can. I'm usually like wow. improvising scenes in my head and then trying to get them out as fast as I can. And so that's that's the part that I love. And so I think those skill sets really complement each other. Um, and yeah, we've we've obviously continued to do it. So it's going well so far, Damien. Tell us a bit more about the film. <laughs> Jenna gets an abortion. That film. Please do. Yes. Um, so Jenna Gets an Abortion is a short film that uh, John O. Mitchell and I wrote in the aftermath of Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia signing a heartbeat bill uh, into law. Um, the heartbeat bill is essentially an, a, a ban on abortion, um, but it's this idea that you can't get an abortion after a fetal heartbeat is detected. A fetal heartbeat can be detected after about six weeks, and that is well before most people know that they are pregnant. And so essentially our governor banned abortion. And um, I went into a really deep depression uh, after that. It was a really challenging time, I think, for many uh, people in Georgia, most people in Georgia. And, you know, having what feels like a very fundamental facet of your autonomy ripped from you um, just overnight, it's, it's disorienting and it's, and it's unmooring. And, I was just struggling to do much of anything. And, and it was Jono who reminded me of something that our friend Molly says, which is that there's always something you can do from your own corner of the world. And, you know, for us, that's filmmaking and in particular, it's comedy. And so we started writing uh, what became uh, Jenna Gets an Abortion, which is a dystopian road trip romantic comedy about abortion. Um, yeah. and I would agree. <laughs> it is a uh, fascinating blend uh, of styles <laughs> and ideas. Um, but, you know, what what I wanted to do was, what we wanted to do was to tell the story of one woman. Um, you know, I think that I am very aware that this short film does not 
answer any big questions or it, or, you know, close any chapters on the abortion discussion. But I, I think that a, a part of our issue here in America is that we really don't talk about abortion. And because there's so much shame, not only around abortion, but around sex education and sexuality in general, when we don't talk about it, that's what allows the shame to build. And it's what allows laws like this to get to get signed um, because people are convinced that this is this terrible thing that only terrible people do. And that's obviously not at all true. And so um, I wanted to have abortion in the title. I wanted it to be Jenna mm. gets abortion because the fact that she gets an abortion is actually the least important part of it, right? It's about how difficult it was for her to get there and sort of what she learns about herself along the way. And so we made the decision to, to title it that way. And um you know, from there, for me, it was it was a little bit about making it a rom-com that sort of has the rug pulled out from under it. I wanted people to think it was going to go one particular way and then not do that. And I think the scariest thing about it is that there are some things about her journey to get an abortion. There are some laws that we discuss in the film that are real, and there are some that are not. And I think the scary thing is that you don't know where the line is. And unfortunately, we're here in this country moving closer and closer to the <laughs> um, sort of far dark end of that spectrum. And all I want is for this film to be irrelevant. All I want is for people to watch this and be like, what the hell is this? Like, this oh, is wow. what is what's up with this movie? You know, I, I don't want it to be. <laughs> as relevant as it is right now. Unfortunately, we're still in a place where I think it's speaking to people and, and having the kind of effect that we intended. Um, of just realizing that we've we've taken abortion and turned it into this horrifying obstacle course for people who are just seeking care that might be life-saving. Uh, and also care that they just deserve to have because they're human beings in the world and they should get to decide what happens to their bodies at all times. So, um, yeah, it's something I'm really proud of. <laughs> and and like I said, something that I, I do want to be irrelevant. But so far, uh, unfortunately, it is it is not irrelevant. So why in particular were you so depressed about it that you had to make this film? I've done a lot of uh, work in sex education. That was something that I did a lot in college. Um, it's something that I'm really passionate about. I think that our inability to talk about sex in America is at the root of a lot of different ills that our society faces. Um, and I think that a big one is the abortion debate and sort of this notion that, uh, that abortion is a single issue that can determine how people vote and how people feel about other people. And um, it feels so avoidable. <laughs> it feels so, um, it feels like if different choices had been made in the past, we wouldn't be in this position. But now that we're here, it feels a little bit hopeless to try to pull people back from this ledge. And so there's there's that aspect of it, right? The the sense of hopelessness, right? That there that this was how it was going to be in Georgia, and um, and it was going to hurt people. Um, and yeah, I thought about the people who are going to get hurt. I thought about I thought about young women who find themselves pregnant and and deserve to have the life that they dreamed for themselves. Um, I thought about people who 
um, end up finding out terrible news about the child that they're carrying and having to make a, a horrible, horrible decision. Um, I thought about people who've been abused, uh, who find themselves pregnant and now, um, should be able to make a choice, uh, about what happens to their body from then on. So I, I was, I was thinking about all of that. And as a woman of childbearing age, right, there's the sense of you just signed a paper about my body personally. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, how dare you make me feel this way um, when yours is not a body that could carry a child and you shouldn't have that kind of power. And a sort of tertiary, um, you know, pain that I was feeling was after he signed it, there were a lot of people in Hollywood who started calling for a boycott of Georgia. Georgia is a major film hub. Um, a lot of films and TV shows get shot here. And the film industry is a huge reason why Georgia is sort of pushing bluer and bluer um, because we're having more people come here for the industry. And a lot of those people tend to uh, be liberal. And so it's sort of been this incredible transformation. It's been enormously helpful for, you know, jobs uh, in not only in Atlanta, but all over the state. And to suddenly have this industry that we, that we really thought cared for us um, mm -hmm. ask people to leave and not do their projects here because of something that our governor did that doesn't at all reflect how real Georgians feel uh, in large part. Um, that was really sort of terrifying as well. It was like, oh, so I'm going to lose <laughs> my bodily autonomy and also maybe my career and my livelihood, um, or I'll have to make a difficult choice about, you know, am I going to have to leave Georgia too? And I, I really don't want to, because I believe in Atlanta so much. So that was another aspect of it. So yeah, I, again, it was just sort of this spiral of, of hopelessness and just not knowing what was going to happen. And, and I'm, I'm very happy to, to report that the, you know, federal judges did block the bill from going into effect because it is in violation of Roe versus Wade. So it, it never got to, to go into effect. Um, but obviously they're taking it to the Supreme court and, and now there's a whole level of anxiety about that. So, um, Anyway, that, yeah, just that sense of hopelessness, despair, and not sure what I could do, you know, like you feel, you start to feel really small and really powerless. And um, again, that's why I'm glad that Jonna reminded me of that idea that there's always something you can do and it can be small and it can be very personal to you. Um, but me doing something, me, you know, writing that film with Jono, it was, um, it was enough to, to sort of get me out of that feeling of hopelessness and start to feel angrier and a little bit more powerful. And um, yeah, and now we have a product that we can share forever that I think makes people laugh and makes people think and, and um. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, it's something that reflects 
the the real Atlanta uh, to me. I think, it, and I think it reflects what we, and especially we in the film industry, feel about um, people's right to have an abortion if they want one. But it's certainly personal for you, and I'm guessing Jono as well um, feels exactly the same way as you as you collaborated to create this project. But you also mentioned that he works for Adult Swim and he has connections with crew members and things of that nature. So they are clearly very talented. One of the things that stood out when I watched it, it, it was very, very well shot, well lit, um, from costume, from the colorist, editing, sound design. It was all done very, very well. But the people that came on board, did they feel the same about abortion or was it just a job for them? No, um, this Jenna gets an abortion. Um, almost everybody donated their time. Um, they wanted to come on and be a part of the project. Um, so we were, you know, incredibly, uh, fortunate that they <laughs> felt so strongly that they wanted to make it a passion project for themselves. So that's, that's, uh, certainly part of it. We had a local stand-up comedian who hosted a fundraiser for us. She put together a night of all female stand-up comics. Um, and we were able to, um, you know, bring home some funds that way, you know, all in all the film cost $9,000 to make. And I think it looks, um, like it costs more. I think it looks like it costs a lot more. And, and that's both a, you know, again, we're grateful to the people who donated their time and talent so freely. And also we're incredibly lucky to work with some of the most talented people um, in the country. I think, you know, I, I, I think that Atlanta gets this reputation as sort of like a workhorse for LA and that the real talent is in LA and New York. Mm-hmm. And then you just come to Atlanta to film um, part of my goal. And, and I know Jono shares this goal as well is to, make Atlanta on par, um, with LA and New York. And I think talent wise, it already is. Now it's about changing the perspective, uh, of people who live, um, in Atlanta, in LA and New York and, and everywhere. Um, you know, I, I, I talk about it sometimes that, you know, you could spend an entire career trying to get your foot in the door of this house that LA has built. Um, and for Jono and I, it just felt easier to help build the house in Atlanta, right. To just help Mm. build something from the ground up and ideally make it the kind of house where the doors are open and, and people feel welcome and, and people feel like they can come in and build the room that they need to build to do the work that they need to do. Um, we're really passionate about helping creators and especially creators here in Atlanta, um, get the opportunities that they, that they need and that they deserve to tell the stories that need telling. Um, so yeah, we, we work with, with really remarkable people and I'm so, I'm so glad that so many people have seen Jenna and can see for themselves the kind of talent that, that lives here. And I, I can, I'm guessing, well, I shouldn't guess, should I guess, should I be so rude? Okay. Allow me to be a a tad bit rude. I'm guessing (laughs) Your cinematographer was paid. Um, <laughs> I would have to look back at the budget. Okay. Um, Jamie Randall was the cinematographer. She's absolutely incredible. Whatever she was paid, she should have been paid more. Okay. <laughs> um, because I mean, obviously, you can see like it is such a remarkable. Yes. Uh, it's such a remarkably shot film, and it was 
you know, I, Jonna was the director. I, I was obviously starring in it. Um, but as one of the writers, I got to be involved in, in some of the filmmaking process. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't yeah. shunted to the side. You're an actor, stay away. Um, and seeing them collaborate together and seeing sort of how, you know, she could, she was bringing ideas to the table. Jono obviously was bringing ideas to the table. They would compromise, but also, you know, she was such a good listener and, and they were both incredible problem solvers. It was really, really remarkable to see them work together. And the reason why I say that is because there's so many cast members um, and I, I hate not I wouldn't say I'm not going to say extras because that's a bit dismissive dismissive in a way when you say extras um, you know there's so many um, other people a part of the the project yeah. and you've got one scene I won't give much away where there are people protesting mm-hmm. and um, your your character is really being attacked in a, quite a nasty way mm-hmm. and what I've found and what a lot of uh, filmmakers find is you you need a certain amount of protesters but if you're not paying them, how many will turn up for to for a whole day, let alone consistently for two days? Mm-hmm. Um, so the budget can kind of where it should go, it should go. But sometimes if it doesn't go to other things like that, a film can kind of have a certain amount of inconsistencies. Mm. Or if you have two separate audio guys and one has a higher level of equipment and the other one has maybe slightly a lower level of equipment, mm-hmm. there's know that it kind of gets inconsistent and the Mm -hmm. the good thing I liked about your film as well in terms of the cinematography was the indoor shots Mm -hmm. and the outdoor shots were completely consistent and it really I mean most people who are not filmmakers whatever would notice that um, but sometimes you'd kind of notice things that pull the film down a bit and I'm just really happy that your story was supported by everything around it being so consistent so when you have a film like that you finish it, obviously. How long does it take to get edited? So for that film, we shot it in September of 2019. And we had we had planned and we had reserved the theater for um, mid-April 2020. So it was, you know, not a particularly long post-process. Um, Jenny Gets an Abortion is long for a short. It's 25 minutes, um, which made it difficult to program for festivals. Um, so we, you know, we submitted to some festivals, uh, but then obviously COVID happened and everything sort of, uh, sort of blew up, but we, yeah. So September to April, that's, that's, five months ish, um, that it took to, to do post. And obviously it, it got finished a little bit before that. So, um, we had, uh, Jonathan Pulowski who plays the character of Wayne in the film. He was our editor. Um, he's oh, a really, really okay. gifted editor. So, um, we worked with him and then, yeah, you know, through our various projects, we've, we've just started to, yeah, have this sort of Rolodex of incredible, uh, incredible artists who can help us with the actual production and then also um, post-production. And yeah, I agree with you. I think that it, it, the film feels really, really professional. The film is really professional, you know, regardless of the fact that it's a passion project, the people that we brought on and, and the vision, especially that Jono as the director brought to it, that is professional level work. And he is definitely unwilling to compromise when it comes to things like keeping sound consistent and, and having it feel cohesive and having it feel at the same caliber that you would see in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, that 
that kind of commitment to craft and, and to quality is something that not everybody chooses to prioritize. And, and that's okay, right? I think that if given the option of making a thing or not making a thing, right, you yeah. don't want to let perfection um, be the enemy of the good. And so I am, I'm always someone who will say, pull out your phone, Oh yes. Make a dang thing yes. and, and have a ball because you'll learn, you know, if, mm-hmm. if it's, if it's not, you know, to the quality that you want for your career eventually. Okay. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's what a career is, is, is seeing what you've done and, and thinking about what you can do next. And in order to go through that process, something has to be done. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. um, you want to, you know, I, I always want to encourage people to, to just make something. Like I said, I, you know, pooping it out, right. I poop oh, out yeah. drafts. You can poop out movies too, and just see <laughs> what happens. And then, you know, by seeing sort of what feels to have fallen short, then you can know, okay, for next time, I want to make sure that I have this, this, and this, and then you'll make sure you have those things. And it's, Filmmaking is so fun and collaborative and joyful mm-hmm. and to have a product of any kind at the end of it is something that you can be proud of and share and, and just know that it's, it's yours forever, right? It, it just gets to be yours. So um, thank you so much for, for all your kind words about, about the film, because I, I agree with you completely. We worked with such, such capable individuals and it and it really shines through in the film oh no thank you for making it i mean i've never seen anything like it uh, surrounding the subject matter and the way the subject matter was tackled um especially like you said you think you're going to watch a rom-com and then it just kind of goes slightly off here and you're like oh okay this I like this yeah so, good on you good on you for certain and the time length of the film admittedly yes a lot of people and especially festival programmers don't really like that 25 minute length um they're not very keen on it but over the years I've kind of changed my mind a bit about um the length of short films because I just think if it's good enough and it's working it should be able to be longer than what they like I know they would say programming it programming it is a problem but how do you feel about film festivals when they question the length of a film Um, regarding deciding if it should be a part of the festival or not. Have you thought of upgrading your cinematography game? Would you like to have an ASC cinematographer mentor you for free? Join veteran cinematographer Suki Medenzovic, ASC, Disney, Pixar, FX Networks, Netflix, American Horror Story, as he teaches you how to create beautiful images using three lighting techniques he has mastered on film sets over his 30 plus years in the film industry. Each technique uses basic, low-cost lighting equipment so that anyone can achieve beautiful visuals no matter your project's budget. If you want to take your cinematography to the next level, visit filmmakingconversations.com to sign up for instant access. I've never programmed a film festival, so first of all, I don't have the experience. But from what I understand, it feels like a really complicated puzzle and... Mm. I also understand that they're in a position where they want to welcome as many films as possible. And so as a 25 minute short, I recognize that that's five, five minute shorts or two 12 minute shorts and to take ours on and program it 
is probably viewed as a sacrifice, right? Because there's yeah. that's that's fewer films that they can can bring on. Um, and I also understand that it's a you know a thematic um puzzle because a lot of times they're trying to build these blocks around a particular topic or a particular region, whatever it might be. And so we made a film about abortion. They're probably not getting a ton of abortion movies. You know, like I, I understand that there's also an aspect of, okay, if it's going to be 25 minutes, we're basically building the block around it. What else do we have? And if they didn't have anything, then they didn't have anything. So I, I, I'm kind of like you, Damien, in that I think a film should be as long as it needs to be to tell the story. Um, but at the same time, I don't fault film festival programmers for having to see the big picture. And if the length of a film is going to keep something from being a part of it, I I understand. Like, that's something that they have to consider. Um, you know, we ended up premiering the film ourselves uh, on Twitch in April of 2020. So it was the very beginning of the pandemic. We realized that we weren't going to be able to do the in-person premiere that we wanted to. Yeah. And Jono, from his time at Adult Swim, he worked a lot with uh, the streaming shows. So he had some knowledge of how to stream live. And uh, we set up a Twitch stream. We had uh, a partnership with the local Planned Parenthood. And we did this oh. uh, pink carpet where people could take pictures of themselves in their fancy clothes at home and then use a hashtag and it would pop up on the screen pre-show. And so nice. it was this really incredible, you know, back in April of 2020, if you can even remember uh, back then, we were still cool with like doing things on Zoom and, and you know, like it wasn't, yeah. wasn't old hat yet. We were, we were very desperate for things that made us feel connected to each other. And so we had about a thousand devices tune in that night, which was well really, well really done. surprising and incredible. And I actually was not allowed to see the film until it was done and premiered. So that was my first time seeing it all the way through. And uh, sorry, sorry, I must stop. Why? You're the writer and the star. <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, Jono and I talked about it and I, I think it was, I think it was good for me to, to not, the editing process can be really, um, <laughs> as I'm sure you know, soul sucking, soul crushing. You can feel at times like your movie is bad. You mm. can feel at times like it's not going to come together just because it's slow and painstaking. And it's before you have music and sound design. Oh, yes. It's like, yeah. what is this crap? Like, how did we do, <laughs> how did we do crap? And so I think that Jono knew that because I was in every single scene and this film was so close to my heart. He was like, let me walk through those fires on behalf of both of us. And then you can see the glory on the other side. And so I'm very grateful to him uh, for doing that. But it's, you know, it's also, he was the director. I, you know, if I was coming in, I would have just been observing and watching. And of course he would have welcomed my input, but you know, it's, it's different. One of the features that we're that we're working on right now, I'm actually going to an editing session later today. Okay. I am also a lead in that one, but because I was a co-director of it, I am sitting in on the editing sessions. And it's a cool thing to kind of dissociate from myself a little bit. And I'm I'm really not I, I'm seeing myself on screen a lot, but it doesn't even feel like me at this point. It's just like yeah. that's the character. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm working as a director now and, and trying to help Jono and our editor 
you know, piece it all together. But yeah, I, th- I think that it was, it was for my own <laughs> emotional health and just sort of wanting it to be, I think he wanted to give it as a gift to me. Um, and I think that there's, there's something really beautiful about that. And I'm glad that we did it that way. Happy because if I more, more to the point, more to the case, if I starred in a, a film and the first time I saw it was the premiere, I think I'd poo my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say, look, give me, let me watch it the morning before the premiere, at least. I wouldn't <laughs> want to see it like that. But good on you. you um, you're a strong lady to do that. I couldn't. I got to see you know. the trailer. We released a trailer. And so I, I did see the trailer. And it was a phenomenal trailer. And it got me so excited. And so, yeah, I know. But it was also because it was COVID and the pandemic and we were in lockdown. It was just me and my husband on my couch. If I had pooed my pants, the only people who would have known would be me and him. Um, and it was nerve wracking and I was incredibly nervous, but, uh, obviously I'm, I'm really, really proud of it, um, on all levels, but I'm, I'm proud of my performance as well. And what can we see from you next? When I go on Vimeo again, what will be new (laughs) from you to watch? Okay. Well, um, so we have a short that's premiering, um, at out on film, which is, um, an Atlanta, LGBTQ film festival. It's called If I'm Good. Jono stars in it. I wrote it and assistant oh. directed it. So that'll be coming out. Uh, I think the screening is in the evening on September 30th. So that's soon. Um, and then we're in post-production on a lot of things right now, Damien. So I'm just going to go through all of them for you. So um, Jono and I and our friend Alex Baxter wrote a film uh, called Miles from Nowhere, which is a queer cancer dramedy. Um, that will be uh, premiering sometime in 2022. We're almost done editing that. Uh, Jono directed that one on his own. Uh, And then Jono and I wrote a horror comedy called Courtney Gets Possessed. Uh, We co-directed it as well, and I star in it. That's uh, also in post-production and should be premiering in 2022. So those are both feature films. Um, I directed my first short all on my own uh, uh, about a month ago. Uh, It's called Post Citrus. Uh, I'm the writer, director, and star of that. We also expect that to premiere sometime in 2022. And then we have two uh, really fun queer shorts that we did. One is called Making a Scene and one is called uh, 30 Candles. Um, They are also in post-production and we expect them to premiere in 2022. So I wrote both of those and Jono directed them. So we've we've got a a little slate of things Things in the pipeline and uh 2022 should be a big year for for releases so madison do you sleep ah How do you get all this done <laughs> i do i do sleep and i um actually in june i i feel very fortunate i was in a position i was able to quit my day job um oh. and so uh writing Thank you. Writing and performing is is what I do as my job. And it I I did not realize how tired I was doing all of that and also working a full-time job at a lovely children's bookshop. It was a very, very sweet uh day job, but you know, that's yeah. time and it's energy and I was exhausted. And so since being able to sort of take that off my plate, I am so much more rested and so much happier. Um, And yeah, you know, Jono and I work with a really incredible team um, of literary managers at Gotham Group uh, based in LA. And through them, um, we've been able to 
get some opportunities that I, I can't talk about um, sure. necessarily just yet, but that have really allowed us to, to take our, our careers to the next level and, and have the kind of uh, financial stability to be able to do this work as my work. And I will say that the reason we are with them is Jenna gets an abortion and it's what they use to, to introduce us to studios and production companies and producers. And, um, you know, when COVID happened and we weren't able to do festivals, we really thought that sort of the plans that we had for this film were, uh, shot to hell and that it wasn't going to, um, it was going to mean something to us, obviously forever. And anybody who watched it was going to, was going to get something from it, but it, that we thought that it wouldn't sort of open the doors that we hoped that it would, but actually weirdly, because we had to premiere it online and because it just sort of immediately went up on Vimeo for free, that's what allowed someone to see it, to send it to them. And, and that's what sort of paved the way for us to be in the position we're in now. And so, you know, filmmaking is full of these weird coincidences and strange (laughs) uh, untrod paths. And, um, you know, I just, I like to encourage people to embrace, uh, embrace the problems and, and tackle them head on. And yeah, you'll, you'll sometimes have to make choices that you didn't expect to, but they'll lead you somewhere that you also didn't expect. And that can sometimes be for the better um, or for the best. So yeah. What a what a journey it's been. <laughs> and I'm so happy for you because that sounds like a great journey. I and mean, I know these projects are going to be great to watch. You know, oh, I'm looking you. forward to watching them. I, I really, really am. But thank Madison, thank you so much for coming on. Totally appreciate it speaking to you and learning about your projects and the lovely you. short film I saw from you that I've really enjoyed and I've sent it to a few friends. They're going to get back to me. Oh, uh, wonderful. What they think. Um, so, so thanks again and we'll speak soon. Yes. Thank you, Damien. If you like this podcast, share it with friends, leave a comment in the comment section and hit the subscribe button. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.